If you listen to my last podcast with Tim Francis, then you'll know that he had a lot more to say and a lot more to contribute. So here's part two of how to really maximize your working relationship with your great assistant. Hi, Shannon Waller, and welcome to Team Success. I have my good friend, Timothy Francis, with me again because he shared so many fabulous resources, and we can get to all of them. So, Timothy, thank you so much for letting me have you back and for being willing to share more goodies because as we ended our last conversation, you and I are both so passionate about entrepreneurs being leveraged, entrepreneurs being supported, but also you know, assistance being great and being supported and them having a super effective and productive and long lasting relationship together. So I'm grateful for the work that you do. And I'm very happy that you're going to share some more goodies with us. Last time you shared 360 delegation and some tools, but there are a couple other things that I was just dying to get to, especially this four A's and a P thing. (laughs) So we're going to talk about that today. So again, just thanks and welcome back to Team Success. It is such an honor to be here. Thank you so much. All right. So without too much further ado, the whole point of this is to really understand and appreciate if you have an assistant right now, we're recording this in June of 2020 when shutdown and pandemic is still true. So if you didn't have a virtual assistant before, you do now. (laughs) (laughs) which is kind of interesting. So any resistance that a lot of people had to that, myself included, is kind of been dispersed. So we're going to talk about that too. But also there's actually quite a few nuances to having it be a really effective and productive and profitable relationship or not. And if you have attempted it and failed, then you may have got a little bit of scar tissue (laughs) built up. But I really appreciate, Tim, how you have kind of pulled that apart for yourself. You know, you got so good at it, it actually replaced your other business that you were doing, which I find kind of fascinating because other people want you to find great assistance for them. And that's in fact what you do. So before we jump into some of your strategies, let's talk a little bit, again, we're in an interesting global situation right now, the difference between having a virtual versus an on-site assistant, because you've had that conversation multiple times over the years with people who said, well, I want someone who's going to be on site with me or, or other people who are super mobile. Maybe they have a different point of view. But what's your kind of take or explanation to people about the value of virtual versus on site? Yeah. So I think there's probably two really key points to make here. And first of all, I'll just share that I wrestled with this question myself. So if anyone ever feels hesitant, I don't blame you at all. And it could be that virtual just is not a fit for you. It's absolutely possible. I think as every year that goes by though, the gap between what a virtual assistant can or can't do just shrinks and shrinks and shrinks and shrinks, especially now that we've had the pandemic. I really feel like in a sense, we've pierced the veil, if you will. Even ancient industries like banking and mortgages, you know, and insurance and law are all now forced to go completely virtual or else they go extinct. And so there's been this large movement towards going virtual even before the pandemic. And now it is just like accelerated in ways that no one could have ever foreseen. And I'll just share that in my own life, I think what really made a difference for me was thinking about my virtual assistant, because I'm in Austin, she's in San Diego, differently. I don't think of her as like my front desk secretary, if you will. I think of her almost as like a quarterback or like a project manager type person in my world. So I've now hosted, believe it or not, 44 dinner parties in the last two and a half years. And they've been all run by my assistant from San Diego. 
Now, there's no more perfect example of how an assistant can be in another state, actually, and yet be running so much like on-site talent. And literally, I've been the last person to arrive at my own dinner party because a flight was delayed or something. And here I walk into my apartment and there's 20 people already there. The table's perfectly set. The food's already cooked. The place is sparkling clean. And all I got to do is roll my suitcase into the closet and it's time to meet and greet everyone. So you might say, well, how's that possible if your assistant is in a different state? Well, it's because the role of my assistant is to be the coordinator of the catering company, the coordinator of the cleaner, the coordinator of the hostess. And so, yes, we do have boots on the ground talent in Austin in the form of other professionals who are specialists. And I wouldn't want my assistant to be the one setting the table or even opening the mail for that matter, you know, to talk about a more purely business example. I want her to stay on top of prepping me and keeping me in my unique ability. And let's get a helper that we find on a website like thumbtack.com, care.com, in Canada, kijiji.com or craigslist.com. Find someone who does not require any specialized knowledge of the particular task. And more importantly, tasks that do not require specialized knowledge of me. To handle my email inbox, that requires specialized knowledge of me. To handle our clients, which, you know, when I get hired to do private consulting, it's a thousand US dollars an hour. You know, we can't be making mistakes. Even if it's not an extraordinarily difficult task that my assistant is doing, the sensitivity of it is very, very high. And so it requires a lot of intimate knowledge of me and our clients. I want my assistant in that territory, doing that kind of work. And when it comes to opening the mail or taking dry cleaning or whatever, you know, you might think traditionally as being a personal assistant or a secretary type role, all of a sudden that belongs to like someone else who's paid less than my assistant probably and is much more casual, much more casual on my team. And especially this day and age too, like how much shopping do we do online? And so things are actually delivered to us, right? I know my food I have delivered to me and even before the pandemic, right? And so with so much of the world being driven by shipping now, even the like around town need for someone is just getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. So to me, I think how we think about our assistant is crucial in seeing how virtual can work, even if there are some in-person tasks to be done. Now, there's a lot on the line here also that I think is invisible to most entrepreneurs who've never had a virtual assistant before. And specifically, that's what's out there in the job market. So perhaps, Shannon, you've heard the expression before, good, fast, cheap, you can only ever have two of the three. Have you ever heard of this before? Yes, I have. (laughs) Yeah. So for, for anyone out there who hasn't heard this before, in essence, like imagine you've got a fender bender, your car is a little knocked up, and you need to go and get it fixed, right? So you've got a choice to make. Do you want your car to be fixed good and fast? Well, you're probably gonna have to go to a top rated mechanic or body shop and ask them to work extra hours and it's gonna be an overtime job. And so it is not going to be cheap, right? Likewise, if you say, well, I don't want it to be too expensive, you might say, okay, well, I want it to cheap and I want it to be fast. Well, then you're gonna have to go to your family member who's a professional mechanic and they're gonna do it after hours, evenings and weekends. And so guess what? It's not going to come very fast, right? And so any way you cut it, good, fast, cheap, you can only ever have two of the three. Now, when it comes to hiring, this is like one of my shower thoughts. I hope I didn't make this whole thing weird by saying that, but everyone has them. Okay. Some people, it's walking the dog thoughts or mowing the lawn thoughts. For me, it's shower thoughts. So I'm standing in the shower one day and I realize 
that there's a similar triad where you can only have two of the three when it comes to hiring, whether it's an executive assistant or any role on your team for that matter. And I've actually watched this be true, not just with my executive assistant, but also with every single team member because my entire team is virtual. Okay. My salesperson, my fulfillment team, we're all virtual. Okay. And so what the triad is, is talent, compensation, and work conditions. As the employer, you can only ever have two of the three. If I say I want awesome talent and I want that person working in my physical office nine to five Monday through Friday, very rigid work conditions, guess what? You're offering a position that is now head to head with every other typical nine to five on-site position in your city, state, country, whatever that may be. And so now you have to pay, guess what, which is the third part of the triad. Now you have to pay unfavorable wages or compensation package, right? And so now you do have to compete with Amazon and Apple and Google and Coca-Cola and Charles Schwab and Wells Fargo or whoever it is that is a major, major company with big time deep pockets. So going head to head is like, you know, kind of a David and Goliath type situation. Now, like David and Goliath, you know, David realized that he had a relative advantage when it came to using a slingshot. And he could use that distance as his measure of safety. And so actually he could win the fight if he actually was strategic, strategic about how he approached it. If he goes hand to hand, it's not happening. So I encourage entrepreneurs, don't go hand to hand with a multi-billion dollar Fortune 500 company for talent. It's probably not going to end very well. Okay. But where our slingshot comes is being able to work virtually. And so I can't tell you the crushing load of applications we get for every single role, even before the pandemic hit for our role. So when I was initially investigating the creation of my company, Great Assistant, I did some marketplace research and I I actually hired an MBA graduate who is a specialist in HR. And she went and did research on our behalf to see what are Americans saying out there around remote work, telework, or virtual work. It's all different words for the same thing. And she discovered that 96% of Americans wish they could work from home at least part-time. And it was, I believe the number is 67% of Americans wish they could work from home full-time. And I'm sure the stats are identical in Canada or really pretty much almost anywhere in the world. I'm guessing. I know for sure Canada and the US, we're so similar on these kinds of things. Now, if we ask ourselves, is it 67% of workplaces in Canada and the US that allow work from home full time? And the answer is heck no. It's not even a fraction of that. It's tiny. It's tiny compared to what the demand is. So if we can now very intelligently say, huh, if I can offer work conditions that are super favorable, someone can work from home, maybe they don't have to work the strict nine to five, maybe it's nine to one, and then after that they can do whatever they want to do. And then maybe they come back online in the evening. Maybe it's only part-time, right? Maybe as long as they get their work done, it doesn't matter if it's evenings, weekends. Like if I'm flexible around that, all of a sudden it's no longer a fair fight between me and the traditional corporate nine to five because I'm offering something that they are not. And we have now helped hire over 300 virtual executive assistants. 
And I'm telling you, they are coming out of corporate. They're coming out of professional. So when I say professional, I mean like a law office or an architecture firm or an engineering firm, something like that. So whether it's professional or corporate, occasionally we have some people coming out of government or teaching or something like that. And actually teachers are very organized, great people if they want to become an assistant to be a stay-at-home parent or something like that. And I am regularly astounded with the caliber of talent that is applying for our roles. The roles that we offer, we say right on the application that, you know, whoever you end up working with, the expectation is they're going to pay you between 18 and 22 US dollars an hour. And entrepreneurs are astounded to find out that they can get someone who is based in a similar same time zone, understands their first language first and understands the North American working culture because they are North American and they have worked in the North American work culture for their career that that's actually available for just $18 to $22 an hour. And this is the invisible part is that you're giving them more than just money. You're giving them Kodak moments with their kids. You're giving them the opportunity to be with their ailing parents if they've got folks that are aging. We have some assistants that have said, look, I left corporate and became an executive virtual assistant because I just hated the commute. I felt like I was literally watching my life waste away an hour each way every single day. And I said, this is what my life has become. And whatever the reason is, we've got just this incredible crush of talent coming our way. And so that old expression that it's hard to find good talent. Well, I mean, if you're going to play head to head with Goliath and you're going to try and box with Goliath or wrestle with Goliath, then that's true. But if we shift the game, all of a sudden it's different. And now here's the other thing is what $20 an hour will get you on the open market in Manhattan or San Francisco is I don't even know if you can get an everyday errand runner to do that for $20 an hour. Whereas if you are in one of those cities, but you decide to hire virtually, now you might be hiring someone from Wichita, Kansas, or someone from Kalamazoo, Michigan, right? Who has everything that's needed. They've got the cognitive ability. They've got the affective drive and motivation. They've got the right Colby score. They've got it all. They just, they're in a far less expensive place to live. And so therefore your $20 an hour gets you an incredible upside. So when we think about going from local to national or even international, if we're talking about crossing the border from Canada to the US, we're actually extending our catchment area as well. Our catchment area, meaning like what's the total population that could be eligible to take this role? And if you're you know, in a smaller mid-sized city, even your catchment area is, I don't know, maybe a few hundred thousand people, you know, they're eligible, they're working age, they've got the ability and they could drive into the office in a reasonable amount of time, a couple hundred thousand people. As soon as we say virtual, we now have a pool of 335 million Americans, 27 million Canadians, right? And so we've got like a 350 to 380 million person pool. Now, obviously the eligible pool inside that is much smaller, but you are extending your reach to a massive area. Now that has an upside and downside. The upside is you can have tons and tons of talent at your fingertips at a very affordable rate. The downside is if you start hiring to that pool and you've got a legitimate work from home job and that actually is a big question mark for a lot of people who are wanting to be an assistant working from home is, is this legitimate? You have such a crush of applications. It becomes a part-time job just sifting and sorting through the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of applications that come through. It's not uncommon for us actually to be looking at 50 to 100 candidates to come down with three finalists for just one position. And I'll tell you, it literally is a part-time job to handle that volume of applicants. 
Well, and clearly you're the right who for that. (laughs) So I love it. Well, this is fascinating. Well, all of those people who want to work from home got their wish, or at least a lot of them did, if they had that kind of a role. Now, all of those people who can are working from home, most cases. So that's really interesting. There's one other factor, and that is the trust factor which is kind of interesting. And you have a great, you know, we mentioned Gina last time because she's known to both of us. She's one of our brilliant associate coaches and she's a client of yours too. And she kind of put it really well. I think for a lot of people looking at hiring virtual, although it is a little bit of our new normal, so hopefully this will make your your job a lot easier. But she has some reservations going in. Can you share what she wrote to you? Because I think her way of articulating it was quite helpful. Yeah, Gina. Yeah, I remember because this is before I replaced myself as a salesperson. So I'm the one who had the conversation with her and she was kind of like, ah, Tim, you guys can highly recommend it. I really want to do it. I'm just kind of not entirely confident virtual is the right way to go. And so we actually received a letter from her after she'd been with her assistant for a handful of months and she was reflecting on it. And actually, I've got it right here. She says, in the beginning, I was very reluctant to hire a virtual assistant because I'm used to having someone work with me in the office. However, I gave great assistant a shot based on their recommendation to try a virtual assistant. Looking back, I realized my fears were the unknown. And that's really it right there, right? It was just fear of the unknown of what it was like to work with someone virtual. I'm amazed at the caliber of talent great assistant has access to. They work with executive assistants from corporate America and or someone that is used to supporting an entrepreneur like myself. And then she just finishes by saying, I recommend great assistant to any entrepreneur that's open to working with someone virtually. By using great assistant, the work is done for you. So you can roll up your sleeves and do what you want to do in the business. Isn't that a great, unique ability statement right there? 100% it is. So that's Gina Pellegrini, in case I didn't mention her last name. But just wonderful. And everyone listening to this will be in the entrepreneurial world. And having access to that quality and caliber of talent is very exciting. And again, I think people will have had to overcome their hurdle. We've been talking a lot about how companies have made three months worth of technological growth and really improved their Zoom capabilities, amongst other things. Basically, in three months, they've done what would normally take five years. So Mm. we have all jumped. It's the only time I've ever seen, and I'm going to say global. I don't know what's happening that far outside of North America and Europe, but we've all made this massive jump, right? At the same time, when mm. else has that ever been true? I don't know. So it's to my mind, there's massive opportunities here. And I'm sure some of the distinctions we're making today in five years will be almost irrelevant, which is kind of a fascinating thought. I want to jump to something else that you really, well, you use and that care about as do I, and that is some profiles. You talked about the cognitive and the affective and the Colby or the striving ways. And so you use profiles and assessments when you are winnowing down that gigantic number to get down to three candidates. So what are some of the profiles that you found particularly helpful in helping and why are they helpful? I mean, there's lots of good ones out there. I know I have my favorites, you have yours. I'm glad we align on a couple of them. So why is that sort of an important part of your process? I consider it a shortcut, but you're not a shortcut guy. So I'm curious as to to how you use them, where you use them, when you use them, all that good stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I actually discovered Colby through strategic coach. So when I was in coach, I remember my coach, Russell, he was giving us at the end of the first session, I think it was very early on. He said, here's a preview of what's coming up in the next session is this thing called Colby. No need to go take the test. No need to know all about it until it's time. Now me being the like, I don't know, eager beaver that I am or whatever, 
that night, I got back to the condominium I was staying at in Vancouver, fired it up. I'm like, what's this Colby thing? I don't want to wait. My fact finder seven is hungry, you know? So, so off I went and I started learning and I took the test and I was like spooked because it's so unbelievably accurate. And I was just like, oh my goodness, this is so cool. So I decided that night that I was actually going to go get Colby certified. And I think it was like actually before my next strategic coach session, I'd already flown to Phoenix, got fully certified and showed up in my second coach session certified in Colby. So yeah. And one thing I really discovered about Colby is that follow through number, which is the second of the four numbers that when getting an executive assistant who's going to be my mini-me, who's intended to kind of follow me around virtually speaking and kind of clean up after me, if you will, help me close loops, help put things back onto the plate if they've fallen off my consciousness or whatever, is really important that follow-through number is higher than my number. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You talked earlier about, and I want to bring this back up actually, you talked about your assistant really needs to know you and really be personal. And this is so true. And it doesn't matter whether or not your follow through is a two, like mine, and yours is a six. But we both need to have people whose follow through is longer than ours. You know, And again, there are strengths to a short follow through, there are strengths to a medium, there are strengths mm-hmm. to a long follow through. So it's not to say none of us, we don't have strengths. But we start a lot of things, we may not finish them all. And we do need someone to close the loops to fill the gaps. Our brains are going a million different places at the same time. So I just want to put a big exclamation point on that. Yes. And it's absolutely critical that someone else can pick up after you, not to demean, you know, it's not like we're messy children or anything much, but it's so critical to have someone with a ton of mental energy for that type of task. Thank you for bringing that up because I could not agree more. Love that. Yep. So we have multiple people on our team, Colby certified now. And it's part of our process. Like, and every entrepreneur gets a Colby A index test. And so does every one of our finalists. And so something, this is a pro tip here. Something I realized early on of Great Assistant was, wow, it's really expensive to buy a lot of Colby tests. You know, like to buy one is not that expensive. It's like around $50, $55, something like that. To buy one or two is, you know, not too expensive. But when you've got 50 candidates that are all like trying to, work with you. So I just went, oh my goodness, how can I ever possibly manage the cost of this? You know, and Colby isn't the only one that we use, but it is certainly one of the better ones that we use. So I realized I need to kind of flip this process in a sense that I need to really weed out anybody for any reason other than that kind of conative fit between entrepreneur and assistant. What are the free things I can do to separate the wheat from the chaff here before I'm dropping big dollars on like getting 20 Colby tests for one hire or something? Yeah. And so we actually found work tests were a really, really, really powerful way. And actually one of the earlier work tests that we used was literally just how people applied. You mentioned this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't use it, I don't think that much anymore because fortunately or unfortunately, we're now doing just so many matches at such a scale that some of our tools are now different than what someone would do if they were doing it on like a do-it-yourself type approach. Mm -hmm. So some of my recommendations that we use today wouldn't apply for someone listening who wants to do it themselves. But back when I was doing it myself, for myself, like my very first assistant, I used what I call the perfect job posting. And what that was, was requesting anyone who wanted to apply for my role to submit an email to a custom email inbox. Now, if you're going to do this on your own, I'm just going to tell you right now, you're going to get hit with so many applications that 
it's going to be like you can refresh your email inbox like every 10 minutes and there'll be a new person there. And it's very distracting from your daily workflow. So I highly recommend if you're going to do it on your own, set up a separate email inbox that's like jobs at yourcompany.com or even like, you know, work for Shannon at gmail.com, free account, something like that. And what that does is that allows you to stay in your unique ability while you're working during the day. And then you can maybe put some time blocking in and say, I'm going to put a focus block in for tomorrow or every two days at a certain time to review applications. So that's the first thing it does. It keeps your focus. The second thing it does, this is definitely like, you know, ninja stuff here, is you set up the vacation auto reply mm -hmm. so that it says, thank you, your application has been received. If you don't hear from us in the next 72 hours, you can consider that your application has not been moved forward in the next process. If you are going to hear from us, it'll be in the next 72 hours. Thank you for your application and best of luck on your search. So it allows you to be classy so that absolutely every person who applies gets a response, which is really classy. It's just like, thank you for taking the time to apply. Uh -huh. So then from there, I would have people submit an email to that custom email inbox and it had a very specific subject line. And the subject line would say something like, hi, this is insert your name from insert your city applying for insert name of role. What that created was as all these dozens and dozens of applications are coming in, I could just scan the subject line. And look, if someone can't get the subject line right on an email, they've already told me that either they're not motivated enough or they don't have the kind of attention to detail or they don't know how to create or follow process enough to get that right. And so their actions are speaking so loudly, I cannot hear the words that they're saying and I'd simply delete them. And here's the good news because they already got the vacation auto reply email. There's nothing more for me to do, right? So I love that because you're actually putting little hurdles in, which are cognitive ones, motivational ones to say, okay, can this person follow instructions? Do they read to the bottom? You know, Can they, as you said, follow a process? So that's really smart. That, I love that. So is Colby like the main profile that you use? Do you use any other affective instruments? Like I would consider Colby an index because you can't technically fail it, which... I usually think I can do with a test. Are there any other indexes or anything for affect or cognitive? By the way, I love the work tests. And in fact, that's also what we found. We do we use a couple others, but getting people to write code, getting people to write a letter, getting people to answer the phone, really good test. <laughs> that really works. Yeah. Is there any other official instrument that you use? Yeah, there are some expensive annual license, like many, many, many thousands of dollars per year that we do use. I won't even get into them because they just don't really apply if you're going to do it on your own. But what it does is it allows us to look at cognition and affect, which are the other two circles that Colby is not designed to cover. So we're covering all three circles. And it actually also gives us access to compare the results of any candidate against a database of 300,000 other administrative office and project assistance. So anyone that's kind of in the admin or coordination across America. So getting that head-to-head -head comparison of other people who've taken the exact same test yeah. allows us to see in what percentile does this person rank in some key measures. So we combine that with Colby and some interview technique and a couple other tools. And it's, it's a very, very thorough process we've built over the years. That's awesome. I love, love, love that. We use different profiles too, but we do. We profile for cognitive. That was the last one we added. <laughs> but okay. if the Colby is right and the personality is right and the person doesn't work out, there's only one thing left. And that's, 
That's the mental horsepower. So we measure for personality and we measure, as we know, for Colby and striving. And if anyone's not familiar with Colby, it's kolbe.com. You mentioned that last time. But it measures how people work, how they strive, how they problem solve, not how well. That's their brain. Not whether or not they want to. That's their affect or whether or not they care, which, by the way, is the thing that kicks off the entire process. But, you know, if they are going to take action, how are they going to do it? You know, and it's so accurate. And you really need to know this as the entrepreneur, as the business owner with an assistant. You need to know how you problem solve and strive. And then you need your complement, someone who's not going to be you. You know, they're a mini me in terms of helping you get stuff done. But if I were to hire, I'm a nine quick start. To hire a nine quick start to support me, I'm probably going to be shorter fact finder fall through. That makes no sense. I need someone who's my complement, who's going to fill in all the gaps that I don't. That's going to be the right person. So I love that. Okay. And I oftentimes think about if someone has a lot of quick start energy, they're really strong at getting to the start line, but they maybe struggled across the finish line. Whereas someone who's lower quick start, but has more follow through energy will be someone who is reluctant to get to the start line. But if they do, you can count on them across the finish line. And so if we can put those two people together to be a great like relay team, it makes a ton of sense. And also just being sensitive that the gaps aren't too big. I mentioned the follow-through energy. You want your assistant to be more follow-through energy than you. If you're a two follow-through though, and they're a 10, it's probably a deal breaker. Maybe yep. you know, there might be a lot of fighting unless you guys are very conscious about it and come up with what, I know this isn't a Colby term, this is a Tim Francis term, is come up with a conative bridge to come yeah. up with like strategies on how to gap that. And even then it may not work out, but I'd say, you know, as you're doing your assessments of your potential teammates, do get a Colby certified consultant involved, whether it's, you know, through us because you join our program or, you know, you contact Colby for some help or contact Shannon's team at Strategic Coach for some help. They yeah, can give do. you some incredible insight. That's brilliant. Yeah. And they have a great measure where the, when there's a difference of four or more, there's the potential, not the guarantee, but the potential right. for conflict. So, you know, I work with my brilliant Nicole, 8742 compared to my 3295. And even if you don't know what the categories know, you'll know that they're quite different. So we're five apart, but we're incredibly conscious with a really good senses of humor. <laughs> and I stay in my lane and she stays in her lane and it works brilliantly and it has for years. It's not supposed to, but it does. And she has a four in quick start. So for me, I actually looked at someone who was an eight, seven, three, two, and I'm like, mm, no, I need the four. I need the accommodating level of quick start or it's going to be a disaster. I had a more crude term for it, but you get the idea. <laughs> yeah. And it's turned out really, really well. Now I probably use up her quick start by about 1030 in the morning, but we've worked it out over the last six and a half. Oh my goodness. Six, almost seven years. So pretty cool. All right. A couple of things I want to touch on before we wrap up today. The one is the weekly meeting rhythm. But before we get to that, can we talk about four A's and a P? We referenced that a few <laughs> times last time and you're holding me off there. And this has to do with onboarding. If you could just outline it, I don't want to give people too, too much detail. I want them to be curious, but what are four A's and a P? I'm just, it's, it's a great name. And I'm like, what did those mean? You know, Shannon, suddenly I'm getting amnesia. I don't know if I remember what they are. Oh. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> look them up, darn it. <laughs> look them up, look them up. Yeah, so four A's and a P. Again, shower thoughts. I was just thinking about like, what would represent success when it comes to onboarding a team member? And again, set it up for the next time you hire an assistant and keep it because the same idea can be used for any team member you're going to onboard. And Shannon, why this really came to mind for me, this is years ago now, I was consulting with a client and this client's hourly rate is like, I don't know, it was 500 or a thousand dollars an hour. It's like a very talented person. 
And we were in the middle of a meeting, a one-on-one meeting where you know, he's paying me good money. His time's you know, very highly valued. And he says, Tim, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can we just pause this call for a sec? I have a team member contacting me with an emergency. And I'm like, oh, okay, sure. I can wait. In my head, I'm thinking like, you know, is someone in danger or is there some ultra upset customer that's threatening to like cancel a major contract? Like, what is it? So I quietly waited and about, you know, 90 seconds later, he comes back and he says, okay, I'm ready to go again. And I said, well, is everything okay? What happened? He said, oh, that's one of my teammates. They needed a username and a password. Right. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, oh, are they new? He said, oh, no, 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 no. They've been with me for about six months. And in that moment, I just thought about, wow, wow, how much time was lost to spending 90 seconds plus the change over time of us getting back. Where were we? Multiply that by two hourly rates. And this should not have even happened because if this person would have been properly onboarded months earlier, they should have known. Plus their time of being distracted and bottlenecked and stopped and hung up, like it's just a nightmare. So it got me thinking about what would represent a great onboarding process. So this is where I came up with the four A's and a P. I also talk about this on the Forbes website. I did a series of videos with Forbes, four A's and a P. So the first is agreements. What agreements need to be in place that is, you know, literally like what agreement do you have in place around pay and when you're going to pay and how you're going to pay and what's the nature of the relationship, employer, contractor, and on and on and on. I think there's also something about, let's say the soft agreements as well. And so in the very, very beginning, I always have my teammates report back to me at the end of each day that they are working because you don't have the benefit of being in the same office, right? But we can still stay in touch with what's going on by simply having my assistant answer a few questions at the end of each day she's working. Questions like, what did you do? Where did you get stuck? How can I support you? And what are you doing tomorrow, right? So simple agreement like that is, you know, at the end of each workday, you'll submit a four question mini report to me. That way I can stay on top of how I can help you and support you and keep you moving so you're not stuck all the way till our next weekly meeting, right? Love that, yeah. Yeah, very, very good. So that's agreements and that can include both kind of formal agreements and also just kind of like working or soft skill agreements, if you will. Mm -hmm. The second A is accounts. So what accounts do I need to have in place for my assistant to be effective? So the first one for almost every client we work with and almost every entrepreneur is an email that is something like support at yourcompany.com. And that way, if your assistant ends up graduating up and out of the role, the support email can still stay there as in place and be ready as the login for all the other accounts that are being set up. It's a a great way to go. Now, this day and age, you know, there's sometimes some frustration around the number of different usernames and passwords to deal with. We use a password aggregator called LastPass. I think OnePass is another software And that makes it a lot faster for an assistant or any team member for that matter to get one master password and immediately unlocks all of them. So we get a sense of what's the laundry list of agreements we need, what's the laundry list of accounts we need to set up, the first one being email, then after that maybe to your website, you know, for updating your website or QuickBooks if they're helping with anything financial, on and on and on and on. Or database, yeah. Mm -hmm. A database, yeah, absolutely, yeah, your CRM, definitely. Next up is apps. So what apps do we need to download? And that could be to the desktop or that could be to the phone. So that might be some communication apps, like if you're using something like WhatsApp or Voxer is like kind of like a little walkie talkie. I know some people use Slack. I'm not a huge fan of Slack, but I know it's widely used and there's both the desktop version and the cell phone version. And so you want to just create a list, like tell your assistant, you know, go to the Apple store or the Google play store or whatever, and download these eight or nine apps and Mm -hmm. do it all at once. Next up is access. 
what kind of access do we need to grant? So that could be access to documents in Google Drive, if you're using Google Drive to share documents. Access, if you do have a physical team member on site, do they need keys or key codes to get into the building? One that comes up sometimes is actually, because my assistant's in a different state, when she logs into certain accounts, I get prompted on my cell phone in Texas that I have to put my fingerprint or some kind of verification code. So noticing that, right? And that's just all part of fraud protection, like banks and sometimes even the Apple store says, you've got a sign in coming in from a different state. What is this? Do you approve? So I can help her with that kind of access. So sometimes just pointing out like, this is where we got to do a two person access versus just single sign in. That's helpful as well. So that's our four A's and now we've got our P. So our P is payment. This will be a pro tip here, especially if you're going virtual and especially if you're feeling a little hesitant in the beginning, just know that your teammate, your new virtual assistant might also be feeling hesitant. This is a two-way street. Maybe as much as you've never had a virtual teammate before, maybe they've never had a virtual workplace before. So something that candidates run into when they're initially going on the internet looking for a virtual assistant job, they'll type in work from home jobs or virtual jobs. And you know what they see is a lot of data entry, a lot of network marketing or MLM opportunities, and then online courses teaching you how to be a virtual assistant. There's so much clutter there. It's tough to find legitimate work from home job. And not to say that data entry is not legitimate, but let's say a wider range of work from home opportunities above and beyond data entry or starting your own business from home or something like that. So when I started learning what it was like to be in their shoes, I started thinking, wow, okay, so what could I do to inspire confidence in the first month? Now, depending on what rhythm you pay your team, you know, some people are paying once a month, some people are paying every other week, uh, whatever it is, I actually tell my new virtual teammates and not just my system, but even like when my salesperson came on who also works virtually, who also took a big pay cut and left a major fortune 500 company just so he could have a virtual opportunity. It's like, I'm telling you my whole team, they just really appreciate that opportunity to work from home. In the first month, I pay at the end of every single week. And yes, it's extra work for me. And yes, it throws me out of my normal rhythm of when I pay teammates and whatnot, but I'm willing to do it for a teammate for one month. I'm telling you, as soon as they get that first pay, you know, whether it's through PayPal or wire transfer or ACH or however it is that you're paying, as soon as they get that first payment, not only do they have confidence, but now they can go to their significant other or to their family or any of the doubters in their world who are like, oh, you're going to work from home. Like, that sounds like a scam. And they can say, well, actually, I just received my first payment and it was exactly what I was promised. I want to have that moment as soon as possible. When I think about leadership, I think about, I want to win two conversations. I want to win the conversation they're having in their head in the shower in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I want to win the conversation around their dinner table at night. And That's advanced. I love that. Thank you. Because what it tells me is that they're engaged at a level that they care enough that they're thinking about it in the morning. And that the opportunity means enough to them and they're excited about it enough that they talk about their opportunity to work with my team around the dinner table at night. Like, hey, I had a great win today. I'd love to share it. You know, that kind of energy. So yeah, let me just jump in here because two weeks is a long time to invest. Mm. If someone's trying to scam you, if you don't like the work, if you're not 100% certain, that's a long time to live with doubts, right? So that is 
such a cool strategy is that, you know, and it's for one month. So both of you have to, you know, hang in there for that part of it. But that's very, very clever. And I think the idea of winning those two conversations, I've never heard anyone say that before. That's a very clever. I was actually in the shower when I was like, hey, I want to win the shower thought conversation and the dinner conversation. I love it. That's just a cool way of thinking about it. But that is so reassuring. And it's true. People, they have their own selves, conversation with yourself, but then they have their conversation with their others around the dinner table. So that is great. It's interesting. And I'm so glad you're outlining this for us today because this is some of the differences that happen virtually versus, I mean, at this point, a lot of folks are ritual who weren't a few months ago, but those agreements and those soft agreements, I think are super important because the number one objection, this goes back to our trust conversation earlier, is I don't know what people are doing. I don't know if they're busy. I don't know if they're just sitting on the couch watching TV, eating Doritos, you know, whatever it is. So those questions, where'd you get stuck and how could I support you? So they're not like, did you do your job? But they're supportive questions, I think is so key. And I work with team members who are not as well taken care of as yours, who struggle to get the accounts or have to ask over and over and over again and interrupt for those 90 second conversations and who don't have some of the technologies that they need to do their job and don't have the access granted that they need. So that's a massive frustration for team members and it actually completely hinders their productivity. So then we get Mm -hmm. mad because they're not doing stuff the same way that we would. And we haven't given them the right tools. This outline of exactly what you need. Yes, you need a version of them in person, but 100% you need them virtual. So I think that's a great mental thing for me. All right. Last thing I'm going to twist out of you, my friend, Mm -hmm. is the weekly meeting rhythm. And so you've mentioned that before, like you've, you've mentioned the daily kind of thing, but how often do you recommend people connect with their teammates, with their assistants? What have you found that really has worked? You know, one of the biggest mistakes we can make is ask someone to read our mind. I used to say I would be so wealthy. That's why I created this, the assistant program is like, because mind reading 101 is what I wanted to subtitle that course, but I figured out. <laughs> I know. Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm with, totally with you. Love that. And, and even if you've never had an executive assistant, if you've ever had a significant other, you know the feeling. <laughs> Good point on that one. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, And so the process of leadership, virtual or in person, is in my mind a constant process of externalizing expectations and clarifying them. Okay, and uh, and um, and in a virtual environment, it's even more important because you may not have the benefit of seeing their the look of sheer panic on their face if they, (laughs) you know what I mean? If they, you know, they might say, "Yeah, that sounds good," but like really, if you could see their face, they're like eyes are bulging, right? Now, obviously with Zoom and other video conferencing technology, it becomes much richer. And so we can pick up on those nonverbals. I would say that um, anytime your assistant is frustrated or even probably even (laughs) to really bring the accountability to the tables, every time you're frustrated with your assistant, just assume it's a leadership issue, not their issue. And, and, And more than once I've been like, nope, Fine. And, and for the record, I've had a virtual assistance for 12 years now. So people are like, wow, this is a new thing. This is incredible. I'm like, uh, no. you know, <laughs> I'm no. excited new, that new you're- to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. How do I put this? Yeah. So, you know, it's like almost every single time that I think that it's like, oh no, finally I found something that is an assistant issue. I realized there was an issue with me. I didn't onboard them properly. I didn't train them properly. I didn't externalize my expectations. There's something I could have done differently. And, you know, something as simple as 
and this is even a new discovery from 2020, I realized how much I appreciate someone saying back to me what it is that I requested. Mm -hmm. And I almost felt silly saying it to my great assistant, Denise is her name. I almost felt like I was patronizing or something like that. And so I didn't say it for like quite a many months. And then after that, we just had a few breakdowns. I just said, Denise, I don't know how to say this. And I hope this doesn't come across weird, but you know what'd make a big difference for me is when I request something is if you would just say, Tim, got it. What I will do is, even if it's just over WhatsApp or whatever the communication platform is, and it's not a synchronous live conversation, like, I don't know, there's just something about reading it back that makes me feel like, okay, got it. It's been clearly communicated. Furthermore, if she writes it back and I'm like, oh, that's off by a few degrees to the east or the west, I can catch it and I can say, you know, Denise, that's exactly what I said, but it's actually not what I was intending. Yeah. Yeah. Please let me update. And, you know, I rewrite her back or if it's a live conversation, you know, I say it back and then we get aligned. And now after that, she's off to the races. That is so critical. And it's, it's interesting because we think we've said something. Right in our head, it was super clear, came out as mush or came out a few degrees off. You're like, oh, that's what I said I wanted, but no, that will not work. You know, so we get smarter when someone reflects it back to us. So that whole reflective listening a little bit, but it's that deep listening and saying what it seems like what you want is, or this is a Chris Voss, never split the difference negotiating strategy. It seems like, it sounds like, and that is so powerful. And when you say that to someone, they have a chance to say, yes, that's it which is a very powerful thing. You're right. <laughs> you know, that's kind of what you want to hear back from someone or no, this is it. You know what I mean? Right. So that's actually a negotiating strategy for someone to say, it seems like it sounds like as soon as they think they've got the heart of the message and then that person will automatically clarify it. So what you're talking about is a really proven negotiation strategy for the FBI hostage negotiators also works well between assistants and, <laughs> and entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah, I love that. So talking about meeting rhythms and whatnot, there's a really powerful 80-20 here. And you know, we all know the 80-20 rule, the Pareto principle. And it was taught to me by Mike Rhodes, who's an entrepreneur in Australia. And it was a version of 80-20 I hadn't heard before. And like in my career, I've literally hosted something called the 80-20 Summit twice. So I spent a lot of time thinking about yes. this thing called 80-20. And yet I'm getting taught something new. I was like, this is great. So he taught me something called Hourglass. And so if you imagine the shape of an hourglass, it's big at the top, it's skinny in the middle, and it's big at the bottom. And he said, the first 10% of any right. task or project is leading the work. Then you go down to the skinny part of the hourglass, and that's 80%. That's 80% of the energy required is actually doing the thing. Mm-hmm. And then the last 10% is when we review what happened. So I put labels on it, lead, do, review. Mm-hmm. You know, leading is the first 10%, doing is the middle 80%, and reviewing is the last 10%. And so if we as entrepreneurs are tired and exhausted and needing help, it's because we're spending too much time in the middle 80%. Right. So it follows logically that we're going to have to get better at leading and better at reviewing. And so that's why, like in our last episode together, we talked about 360 delegation, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's a way to get very good at leading. Now, another critical component for that is actually having regular meetings with your assistant. Right. You know, some entrepreneurs ask me about this and they're like, I hate meetings. I like, I want fewer meetings and here you're telling me that I have to have yet another meeting, a weekly meeting with a team member. My response is, well, you know, that's so interesting because I actually want to have more meetings with my assistant. And I know that sounds so counterintuitive. I started with a weekly meeting with my assistant once a week. So it would have been seven years ago. I started 12 years ago, Shannon. I did it all wrong for five years. And then seven years ago, I started working with North American talent 
you know, coming out of corporate professional settings in Canada and the US. And in that scenario, I started with one weekly meeting a week of an hour. And after that, I started actually meeting with my assistant for not 60 minutes, but 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, we're a few years in and then it turned into actually twice a week. And now I'm at the point that I actually have a 90 minute long meeting once a week with my assistant for us to go through the huge backlog of what's happened in the last week and her catching all the pieces I've thrown and her saying, okay, do you still want this? Are we removing it? Are we delaying it? Like what's going on? We use a tool called Asana Project Management. So anytime I need something, I just send her a message. I'm like, Denise, add this agenda, add this agenda, add this agenda. I'm just throwing stuff at her all week, all week, all week. And then she says, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. And then we look at it once a week to see what's there. Then on top of that, Denise and I are meeting two other times in the week for about 30 to 60 minutes. Mm -hmm. Because here's the thing. The more I meet with her, the more that she is unleashed. And the more that she is unleashed, now she has the leverage of also being able to unleash all the contractors that she oversees, whether it's for dinner parties or graphic design or coding or whatever it is that she's helping to drive. It's all a leverage play. And the better that you get at being in that top 10% and the more time you spend in the top 10%, the more the middle 80% of getting things done actually gets unleashed by your assistant and all the people they may influence. And then the better you get at that last 10%, now you can review and say, hey, where could we have prevented some of the issues that come up? What systems could we improve? Who else do we need to hire? What skills are missing? Kind of in the 360 delegation, the second part of 360 delegation is resources. What resources were missing? Training, access, systems, translation, even if there was a gap with someone overseas, like who knows? And from there, we can really clean things up so that things get fixed once and for all. Instead of, and Sam Carpenter wrote Work the System as this great visual. He says, imagine the arcade and you go and you play whack-a-mole where all those little gophers pop up, right? And you've got the hammer and you're whacking them, you're whacking them. He says, that's what business can feel like. And so I've built on that analogy to say, yeah, so I don't want to just put down the hammer. I want to step away from the machine and figure out where's the plug, right? (laughs) (laughs) I I, I love that. I, I want these little pests gone forever. So that to me is what that last 10% is all about. And that's a lot of my weekly meetings are all about is, okay, where did the system break down? What can we change, update, edit, add? Who else can we get involved so that this is gone once and for all? And I'm telling you, you do that repetitively week after week after week after week and things just get better and better and better. I love that because in Strategic Coach, that's the tool, the experience transformer, where you're always learning what worked, what didn't, what could we do differently next time? And then you execute on those things. And I have to make a point because I read a book that talks about the failure of leadership. And it's interesting because it's like, you always want to blame it on somebody else. And you're like, Ooh, actually I need to look in the mirror. I listened to it. So I recommend the audiobook because it comes with sound effects and it's written by two people. It's told them both their voices. It's called extreme ownership. Have you read it? Yeah. And it's how U S Navy SEALs lead and win with stories told from the war, Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. And Dan Sullivan talks about taking personal ownership of your experience all the time. And this is that taken to the leadership level, which is really powerful. I don't think I'm 100% there yet, but I'm on the path. (laughs) It's pretty powerful. It's like, what have I not communicated? And having a learning tool and having free communication makes a huge difference. You know, Nicole and I meet, well, now once a month for 90 minutes, but we have a half hour check-in four to five times a week. So every morning we start off our day because... A, I need direction, and B, so does she for some things. And it's fabulous. And that's my favorite part of my day. 
to be honest. Mm. I mean, I love delivering and focusing, but checking in with her, that's a little bit of my grounding anchor. And then I can go off and do what I need to do. And if we can do a wrap up at the end of the day, that works well. And probably my attention span's better suited. But it's true. Once you really have that partner, and I love how you describe that person as they're the head coordinator. Like they're the quarterback, they're the general contractor for all of the other capabilities. So they're the main who, who manages all the other ones to reference dance who, not how concept, but it's powerful. And it's so nice when someone knows you and cares about you and supports you and helps you build your business and you get better. There really is, I don't think almost any other more strategic relationship. 100%. Most entrepreneurs I talk to, looking back, they say the first person I should have hired was, you know, not a salesperson, you know, but a right-hand person to be my executive assistant. And it's interesting because sometimes my assistant is doing really high-level things. And other times I just say, Denise, is there any way you could provide me some adult babysitting? (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. Yes, I love that. And sometimes it's like, It's unavoidable. I'm the only one who can fill out the form because I own the business and it has to be my pen that strokes the bottom. And, you know, she's pre-filled as much of the form as she can. And it's got to be me who reviews it finally. And I'm like, can we just have a session where you just watch me for 20 minutes while I complete this form? It's adult babysitting. I'm not proud about it, but it's what's going to get the job done. Well, let me see if I can help take some of the angst out of that because I 100% agree. and, And actually, I'm desperately in need of some myself. And this goes back to your follow-through comment actually quite a bit earlier, is when Nicole walks into my office, or in this case, into my Zoom room, I immediately start thinking about all of the follow-through things I had forgotten before she walked into the room. I'm like, how is this actually possible? If I'm hanging around with other people's profiles like mine, they don't happen. And I have a, a bit of a theory, it might sound a little wacko, but it's what Colby measures is mental energy. And sometimes to get those types of finishing detail stuff that I just have run out of mental energy by the time I'm finished making myself presentable in the morning, I need to borrow her brain. So we literally have a meeting coming up next week where we're going to sit together on Zoom while I answer emails. Yes. And it's buffer time. So I have a rule, and anyone in coaches heard me say this, I try not to buffer alone. Bad things happen. And I know Mm. me, it's partly my profile. I can coach, I can present. There's a million, well, not a million. There's a few things I can do really, really well. But frankly, for everything else, I need need help. Yeah. (laughs) Support. Again, this is a matter of knowing yourself. And she's quite happy. Some of our most productive times when we're sitting in the airport, this was in Billy Bishop, and we're sitting at the cafe tables and both of us have our laptops open. I'm doing stuff like, hey, what, what was this about this? And she's, oh, yeah, it's this thing. I'm like, oh, okay, well, thanks. I'm like, does this sound okay? You know, I just, that little check. And she's like, what do you want to do about this? I'm like, oh, I think I want to do that. She's like, got it. You know, and it's so fun. Both of us are like, this was great. Can we do more? Can we just come to the airport <laughs> or go to a cafe? <laughs> it makes sense. But think of it this way. She's keeping you company to do an unpleasant task that otherwise you would much rather skip and do something else because she's less emotionally attached to it usually it's not painful at all for that other person. You get to get to borrow, at least be in the environment of a different form of mental energy than yours. And you need to get that type of thing done. So that's how I think about it. I don't know if that changes yeah, no, the complexion a bit. It's so interesting you say that because Denise and I talk about that. She's the second half of my brain. Yes. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Yeah. And together yeah. you're a much bigger hole too. You've got a very good brain. Don't get me wrong, but it's like, it gets more complete and gets richer and your damn, call it your mind. More connections get made between the two of you. So, okay. Timothy, you and I could 
keep talking, but I'm sure people <laughs> want to go and get their own great assistant right now. So can you let us know how people can reach you? You've referenced some great tools that people have available, or if they want to kind of have that conversation about you know, how that might work for them, whether or not they're a right candidate and vice versa. I know you've created a special link for us, which is lovely. Yeah, absolutely. So folks can go to greatassistant.com forward slash strategic coach. And of course, strategic coach has that double C in the middle. On that page, you'll see it says fans of strategic coach. There's a welcome video for me. And at the bottom, there's actually three buttons. One button says book discovery call with client advisor. So if you'd like to speak with Eric from our team, the call is usually about 45 to 60 minutes. He's listening for three things, fit, timing, and profitability. And if it's not a fit, if he thinks it's not a fit, he's going to tell you. He'll also offer some resources, which is a little bit different. Like this is not a traditional sales call where one person's trying to pitch the other. It really is a fit because yeah. our success rate is far and away the best in the industry. And it's because we're very thoughtful about not just who we work with, but the timing. Because there's yeah. such thing, Keith Cunningham talks about, there's such thing as the right idea at the wrong time. So mm-hmm. fit, timing, and profitability. And if you and Eric both think that it's a good idea, then from there, perhaps you would join our program. Now, also on that same page at greatassistant.com forward slash strategic coach, there's another button. It says download free tools. And that's where you can get the tools that we've talked about today, as well as the tools from our last episode that Shannon and I have done here, including 360 delegation and some of those other tools. And then there's a third button also on the same URL at greatassistant.com forward slash strategic coach. And that is to simply join our Facebook group. It's free to join. There's some great chatter in there about anything to do with becoming an executive entrepreneur. And so it's a nice spot to share stories about your assistant or looking for any guidance or anything like that as well. So that is what's available at greatassistant.com forward slash strategic coach. Awesome. I actually feel like we've all just gotten an upgrade (laughs) in terms of our capabilities for thinking about the role, making sure it's a success for both of us. The thoughtfulness and attention that you give to the whole process, thoughtfulness is a really good word, I think is key. As everyone knows, I'm super passionate about teamwork and especially the one with assistant. For me, it's been by far the best hire I've ever made. I've hired salespeople, I've hired lots of folks, but the one that has personally leveraged me the most both in terms of productivity and profitability, has 100% been hiring Nicole, who's now virtual, everybody. So yes, I cannot say it strongly enough. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Tim. Just a total pleasure to hang out with you again. I hope everyone listening walks away with a ton of information and hopefully excitement and a sense of hope and optimism about what is possible for you. Obviously, Tim, you're a phenomenal resource. I'm going to suggest you take advantage because I think everyone should have what I have and you've helped to make it easy. But anyway, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and I can't wait till we get to chat again. Thanks again, Tim. Mm -hmm.